0: Well, we will deal with her. We've got two more days left, and we will, we, will, we will sort her out by Tuesday night, amen, with pastor's approval. It's great to be here, church. Um, I have so much that I can share with you, and I will keep it real brief. What I did is I brought a new book with me, and I'm not somebody that's really, somebody said to me, why don't you go more out of your way to market this book and let it become a bestseller? I said, I'm not, I don't have the time for that. I print a few, sell it, and that's it. Uh, this is already a second print since April, so if you really want it, you can have it. It's called Finally, God Makes Sense. How many of you realize that God does not make sense most of the time? If he does, it's not God, because God is bigger than our senses. And the subtitle is Missing Puzzle Pieces Found. Both of those titles came to me up in the air, and, uh, uh, and, and I, I saw a vision one day of a massive puzzle piece and how all the pieces come flying all over the earth, and I saw a picture come together of my own life, and the Lord said to me, that's the subtitle of the book. Now, this will really help you. This is, all, this is for people that have a dream, people that still feel they have a future. It's not a theological book, so it'll not confuse you. It is just right from my heart. Uh, Some of the people say you've really opened up your own life to the people. You actually become vulnerable. Well, that's the best way of preaching. Preach from reality. Don't preach from what you're not. Come on. That's why uh, this is a a great lady in in America. She's got a deep voice. What is her name? She's got a great ministry. Joy. Joy. Yeah, Joyce Myers. The reason why she's so successful is because she just calls blue, blue, and black, black. And she just tells you how much she smoked and how bad she was, and, and that's what people want to hear. People say, tell me where you've been, show me where you are, and I'll buy that book because that's what I want. So this will really bless you. Um, I have a, a, this, just, just a lot in the, the first chapter is on times and seasons. And that's the biggest problem we all have is God's timing. What is God's timing? And then I have a chapter here, the picture on the box. What is the picture on the box? That's a, that's a chapter. When you buy a puzzle, you always buy the picture on the box. And you believe that the picture on the box is what the puzzles is all about. How many of you build a puzzle and then after a few weeks you're so frustrated and then as you build the puzzle, you take a piece and you say, oh, man, this is the piece that I was waiting to find on this table. And, I, and this is where it fits in. And then you, f- you fit it in there and then you start to force it. But you say to yourself, no, this is, this, is, this is where it fits. But deep inside of you, you know, this is not really where it fits. But you're so frustrated with this part of the picture that you want to complete it and then you force it. And then two weeks later, you find another piece on the table. You say, oh, this is actually the piece that fits over here. And, and then you say, well, I must be honest. I, I try to help God over here. And then God will do this ultimately. But I want him to do it now. I, I, I cannot wait any longer. So I, I'm, gonna, I, I, I'm just going to accept this is God. <laughs> You're going to come back to that place and you're going to correct things. So this is what this whole book is all about. The one, chap- the one chapter is called Dirt, because we all have dirt. Come on. You cannot have roses without dirt. If you want to have flowers, you need dirt. So, um, so the dirt in your life will ultimately also make sense. Uh, and There's a lot of stuff in here, church. It will really bless you. Uh, I'm not going to say more about it and uh, so forth. Let's go right into the Word. Um, <clears throat> church, I, I don't have time to tell you about the upper room because the upper room is a command that Jesus gave me and to to bring the American church back to her knees. And um, the last six weeks, m- phenomenal things happened. I was on the call this week with somebody, and uh, uh, I was in Dallas this Tuesday t- uh, where a steering committee had a meeting they want to bring together 30,000 pastors in Washington, and they want me to introduce the spirit of the upper room to them. And um, in January, I will be in another meeting where uh, that could go to television, uh, but it's all about the upper room. Uh, And I will maybe say more about the upper room tonight or tomorrow night so that you just understand what is the upper room, what, what am I referring to when I say the upper room. Because we have our ministry, we have Africa, and now we have this thing called the upper room, and there's so much happening that I just simply cannot articulate to you what's happening. It's, it's big. Um, we just had a round table where some leaders wrote me and said, I think I've seen the first glimpses of the great awakening. It is super powerful things happening. But before I say more on the upper room, I want to go to the book of Acts, uh, I spoke to the Lord recently, actually quite a while ago, and, uh, and I looked at my calendar, and I was just tired looking at my calendar. Uh, now, this year, I will do 102 flights. So every year, I do between 100 to 115 flights. Now, to do, to do 100 to 115 flights, every time you fly, you're, you're on the road for an average of eight hours. Uh, when you leave your home until you walk into your hotel. So looking at your calendar and you notice what's coming, you are tired. And, uh, and, and then on top of that, you can, you can add four or five times of preaching every week. So I looked at my calendar, and I don't want to look at the calendar. I'm, I'm honest with you. I need a break. And, um, and I said to the Lord, Lord, I'm tired. I, I, I cannot do this. And Lord, and all the preaching, and then, then the Lord said to me, preaching? I said, yes, Lord, I need to preach. And the Lord says, I don't want you to preach. I said, well, that's kind of new. So what do you want me to do, Lord? And he said to me, no, I want you to read the book of Acts to my church. Now, the Lord spoke to me about the book of Acts because the Lord has spoken to me for the last six years about the upper room and major things that are now happening. If I just have one service where I can just tell you about the Up Room and all the testimonies, you will be super blessed what's happening. And um, so the Lord said to me, I want you to read them the book of Acts. I said, Lord, that's all you want me to do? Just read the book of Acts? I said, that'll be nice. So I don't need to preach. Now listen to this. Uh, the upper Room is the reason why we have the book of Acts. Because the whole book of Acts came out of the upper Room Experience Is that correct? Okay. Uh, say amen. Okay, that'll help me. Thank you. Um, if you take the book of Acts and you remove the chapter 9, uh, in chapter 9, Saul became Paul. So, if, you're, if you don't want the upper room, then you don't have the book of Acts. If you ha- don't have the book of Acts, you don't have chapter 9. If you don't have chapter 9, you don't have Saul who became Paul. If you don't have him, two-thirds of the New Testament is gone. So what I'm saying is, without the uproom and the book of Acts, uh, there is no church. And the book of Acts is not a, a, a book that's finished. It's still a book that the Holy Spirit is still writing. And he's going to write even this week in this church. He's going to add another chapter on the book of Acts. It's going to be called Hebrew Springs and the Holy Ghost. Something like that. So, so what I want to do is I want to talk to you a little bit about the book of Acts. Is that okay? And then you need to come back tonight because I'm going to do more of the book of Acts. And it's going to be very powerful. Now, don't miss tonight because I want to show you tonight how, how powerful it is. When you are a man and a woman that has a mandate upon your life, and I'm going to talk to you about what a mandate is just a little bit. But when you look at uh, the book of Acts and, um, Pastor, what time do I need to be finished? It's now 20 after 11. I would say about 12. Yeah, okay. That's a typical Sunday morning sermon then, okay? So (laughs) I hope I can do this. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, Jesus said the familiar words that we all know. He says, you shall receive power uh, when the Holy Spirit come over you. That's the last thing Jesus said just before he ascended into heaven. So that's a very crucial thing. He did not say you shall receive money, you shall receive wisdom. He could have said so many things, but he said you shall receive power. Now what are we going to do this morning and tonight? We're going to have a look at... What does power look like? Because in Pentecostal circles, we have a one-dimensional face of what power looks like. And we need to steer away from that because when Jesus said, you shall receive power, there was much more than just what you find in chapter 2. Jesus said, you shall receive power, and then he said, you shall be witnesses to me. It does not say, and you shall talk about a lot of people and gossip about other people and act, make accusations against other. No, he says, no, you shall be witnesses to me. The power of the Holy Ghost puts your mouth on fire and your mouth only talks about Jesus. And then he said, it shall go to Jerusalem, Judea, but then he said the end of the earth. So in one statement, Jesus just include the end of the earth. That is a powerful statement. So that power will go to the end of the earth. Jesus never said, excluded Iran, Iraq, Syria. Never said that. And, and church, that's why if I need to cover the whole book of Acts, I will probably have to preach a year in one, in one church just on the book of Acts. And I'm going to try and do it in two services. So you better sit and, and give me more time, and we will be finished by four, and then we'll come back at six thirty, and then, and then we will go right through to tomorrow morning six o'clock. Because I don't work Mondays; I'm off. So then you can go to work, and then I'll just go to bed. Okay. Thank you. Is that fair? No, that's not fair. Um, So, Jesus said, you shall receive power. So, we're going to have a look look at what power looked like this morning. Now, when you look at chapter 2, it says there, and on the day of Pentecost, it does not say and on the day of the assemblies of God, and on the day of the church of God, no, there's no denomination written in there. It says, and on the day of Pentecost, and then you're going to find a lot of key words in chapter 2, we will not go into that, but it says they were all in one accord in one place. And it says suddenly. Now, when you read the book of Acts, you're gonna find the word suddenly a lot of times. So basically, you cannot be a book of Acts church without having suddenlies. So certain things is just gonna occur suddenly. It says suddenly there was a, a sound from heaven. It does not say there came a sound from head office. It doesn't say there came a memo from head office or a text message from head office or an email on what you should preach about. It says a sound from heaven. And we need churches that hear from heaven again, not from somebody else's book. Amen. It says a sound from heaven. And then it talks in verse 3 about divided tongues of fire and it's set on each. So, So now you have fire. Now, In the modern-day church today, the word fire is not welcome. It's not all churches that really talks about the fire of the Holy Spirit. But if you want to deal with a real, authentic, original, only God, you must deal with fire because He is a God of fire. Amen? And then it says, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they began to speak with other tongues. And verse 7 says, they were all amazed and marveled. So there is amazement, and they marveled. And then verse 8, 9, 10, 11, you will see that there was a lot of nationalities in that room. And the Bible says in verse 11, there were even Arabs. Aren't you glad the Holy Spirit is not afraid of the Arab nations? Maybe they are afraid of the Holy Ghost, but the Holy Spirit, God is not afraid of them. And there's going to come a time, and I'm telling you, church, if you've seen what I've seen the last few weeks in the upper rooms and you've seen what happened, for leaders to say, I think I've seen the first glimpses of an awakening, that is a powerful statement. And, um, and I, don't, I, I don't blame them for saying that because th- there's a lot of things that happened. We had churches that were in the upper rooms that went back to after the West Virginia upper room a few weeks ago. We had big churches that had two and three services on a Sunday morning, and it became one big mess. They could not get the parking lot to clear out because the first service never had an ending. The second service just joined the first service, and the third service joined the first and the second service because the people did not go home. That's when the Holy Spirit come in. Amen? And soon and very soon, we need to have something like that in Hebrew Springs. Amen? Okay, now, now, it says the Bible says, verse 12, so they were all amazed and perplexed. I love that. We don't find people amazed and perplexed anymore in church because nobody's perplexed because nothing happened to make them perplexed. And then it says, uh, in verse 13, it says, others were mocking and they said they are full of new wine. So others were mocking. So there were mockers there. And the mockers look at this and they said, man, they must be full of new wine. They call it new wine Because they probably had some wine experience because they said that's a new kind of wine thinking of what they saw, what old wine does to you. So there were a lot of people there that knew something about alcohol and they said, man, this looks like a new kind of wine. And then Peter stood up in verse 15 and he says, these are not drunk as you suppose." So it seems to me when they were baptized by the Holy Spirit, some of them act strange. I know it's never gonna happen here, but I'm just talking about the book of Acts. I mean, chapter two. I mean, I mean, come on. So so so, so Peter said, Whoa, 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 guys, these are not the drunkenness that you think it is. Because Peter said this is only the third hour. So what Peter is actually saying to them. You Thank you. So Peter said, you guys normally get drunk late in the day. This is only the third hour. This is a different kind of wine. That's what Peter did. Now, church, let me just say this, and I don't have time to go into detail, but if I was alive in chapter 1, let's say, for instance, Andre Fonsell was alive. In chapter 1, I would have helped Jesus. Because knowing what I know about the new millennium, I would have helped Jesus. Let me ask you this question. When Jesus said, you shall receive power, do you think that he knew exactly what chapter 2 will look like? Of course he knew. He's the son of God. He's prophetic. Jesus carried in him the fivefold ministry. See, the prophet in him already knew when he said, you shall receive power, Jesus knew exactly what chapter 2 will look like. Now, if I was there, I would have said to Jesus, Jesus, I want to help you. You are the blind eye opener. You are the deaf ear opener. You are the resurrection and the life and blah, 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 Lord, I can go on for a whole day who you are and what you are, but I want to help you, Jesus. Jesus. I suggest, Jesus, you do a chapter 2 for the Roman Catholics and then you do a chapter 2 for the Baptists and then you do a chapter 2 for the Presbyterians and do one for the Assemblies of God and, Jesus, do a chapter 2 for the Church of God and and, and add an organ in there, Lord Jesus. And, Jesus, do a church for the African-American, Lord, so that they can really wrap it up, Jesus. And you know what Jesus would have said? Jesus would have said, no, I'm not going to do chapter 2 for every different denomination in every church. Every church and every denomination and every culture must come in line with chapter 2. Chapter 2 will not become in line with a culture, and chapter 2 is not going to change for the sake of what skin color they have. They will all fit into chapter 2. Can I get some agreement on that statement? Because I I cannot move on if you don't agree on chapter 2. You see, in chapter 2, it's all about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and the Pentecostals love that. But that's not where power ended. Power is more than just goosebumps. Power is more than just a charismatic hop and feeling good and church it's about time that we are introduced to the different faces of what power look like how many of you realize there's different faces not phases faces there's different pictures of what power look like now when you look at chapter 3 you will see that we have Peter and John in chapter 3 and they are and the bible calls it the hour of prayer Now, don't worry, I'm not going to do the whole book of Acts this morning because I need to get you out of here by 12. And I still need to go to chapter 12 12, and maybe chapter 16. I mean, just for this morning session, so hang on. Now, in chapter 3, the Bible says there was a certain man lame from his mother's womb, and they brought this man to the temple. It was the hour of prayer, not the hour of power. You see, America called it the hour of power. The church called it the hour of prayer. And they brought this man paralyzed from his mother's womb, put him at the gate of the temple to ask arms. Now watch this. They never brought him for resurrection power. When you look at his body, he doesn't need money. He needs resurrection power but they brought him to the house of God to ask money. You see, that's what we do in the church today. If we cannot fix the problems, we make the church a place where everybody's happy at just what they want, they can get it right there. No, don't give everybody what they want. Give everybody what they need. And... Uh, Peter showed up at the hour of prayer, and the Bible says, and when Peter saw him, uh, and you know what's going to happen. Peter is going to resurrect him. And, and why? Because Peter came out of the upper room in chapter 2. And when Peter came out of the upper room, and he found a paralyzed man at the gate of the temple, Peter realized before we can have an hour of prayer, we first need to adjust the gate of the temple. Now, I don't want to talk about the gates of the temple and what's wrong with the gates of the church in America. I'm not here to say what's wrong or what's right. But you know what I love about Peter? Peter saw the man, and the Bible says he came out of the womb paralyzed. Now, normally when somebody's born that way, we say it must be God's will for him to be paralyzed. But when you come out of the upper room, not the boardroom. You see, the boardroom does not address certain issues. The boardroom can organize a seminar, but the upper room address things that has gone wrong in the womb. I mean, resurrection power can go back into the womb and twist things back to normal, even late in life. Do you get excited? That's what power looked like. When Jesus said in chapter 1, you shall receive power, Jesus already saw Peter in chapter 3 resurrecting that man. Jesus already saw this Sunday in Hebrew Springs, the day when he said, you shall receive power. God knows everything about you. The Bible says me he even counts my hair. I don't know why. I have no idea why he counts my hair. You know why? Because when he counts his hair, there's nothing to count. So now he counts mine, and I lose about three or four every day. You know, but, but you know what? God is so detailed that he even finds pleasure in counting my hair. That, uh, 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 this year I have seen how detailed God is when he starts to demonstrate power. It's phenomenal what happened this year. Now, uh, so Peter resurrected this man. And the Bible says verse 9 he went into the temple and he joined the people and he started to praise the Lord. Now watch this. They brought him to the gate to ask arms. That the first day that he was resurrected he came into the temple and he joined the praise and worship. There's a lot of people at the gates of our cities because they are stuck there because we have dumped them there. But if they can just be introduced to real, authentic, Pentecostal, divine, Holy Spirit power, they will join the church in action and not stay at the gates. Now, watch this. Verse 10 he came into the temple. He started to praise the Lord, verse 10 says, and they were all filled with wonder and amazement. You know, we talk about the baptism of the Holy Ghost. You need to be baptized in love. You need to be baptized with passion. How about being filled with wonder and amazement? Wonder and amazement. I've seen what it looks like when a crowd is filled with wonder and oh, oh, wow, woo. You say, well, you act abnormal. Yeah, when nothing is happening, that's abnormal. But when somebody's been healed miraculously and you see it in a big crusade, you will go, oh, whoa, that's then pretty normal because wonder and amazement goes hand in hand with wonder and amazement goes hand in hand with, oh, whoa, glory, excuse me. I'll I'll just come back to normal. You know, when you read the book of Acts, it's very difficult to stay normal. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Chapter 3, okay? Now, let's go to chapter 12. I'll skip a few chapters just to be ready and be out by 12. Let me just show show you something in chapter 9. I just saw chapter 9 on my way to chapter 12. It's not my fault. (laughs) Don't show me all the chapters, man, because I can stop at every one of them and have a great time right there. You see, there's so many wells of revelation in this book that we can stay here the whole day. Now, when you look at chapter 9, you see Saul, uh, and he was a dangerous guy, but Saul as letters from the high priest, and the Bible says, and he was journey and, and he murdered a lot of people. But the Bible says, verse 3, and suddenly a light. There you have the suddenly again, and now you have light. That was long before electricity. You will read about suddenlies, and you will read about light all the time. And church, we if we are a Holy Spirit church, if we are Pentecost, then we need to read the book of Acts again. And I'm telling you, things are now starting to happen in America. Because the, the, I spoke to a pastor Friday. He said, Andre, I've now been in two upper rooms. He's in Montana. He says, man, I prophesy now. My church is holy chaos. The Lord is doing miracles. He said, I, I don't know what's happening. I said, I know what happened. I said, you came to the upper rooms, and now we will go to you for an upper room. It's amazing what God does. Now, uh, the Bible says he fell to the ground, verse 4. Now, Paul was not a faller downer. That's a new English word. Come on. The Bible says he fell down. Why did he fall down? Paul, if you know Paul's personality, if you make a study on his personality, he's not that type. But it's not who you are and what type you are. It's who you deal with. Can you see what power looked like in chapter 3? Can you see what power looked like in chapter 9? And we will not go even there. Let's go to chapter 12. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to spend some time in chapter 12. I hope I can make it to 12 o'clock. How many of you watch television and then they try to sell you something and then they say, but if you call now, you will get this spoon and this teaspoon and this fork plus this knife plus this. You get all these things extra, but you must call now as long as stocks last. It's a lie. They have a few million pieces that they want to sell to you, but it's always because of the stocks. The stocks are not going to last. But what they do is they try to sell you one thing, but they add five other things so that you can buy the one thing. They call it a package. Now, when I read the book of Acts, I discovered that when Jesus said, you shall receive power, he gave me a power package. He gave me more than just goosebumps. He gave me a life. It's phenomenal what's happening, church. My wife and I had an experience this year in February uh, where we saw how detailed God is, and I found out that if I have a mandate upon my life, and I run for the mandate that God has put upon my life, and God take care of things that I did not even ask him for. He just takes care, and he takes care even to the point of color and whatever. He knows you. He knows your detail. He knows your heart. He knows your color preferences. Now, let's go to chapter 12. We're going to look at what power looked like. Now, in chapter 12, you're going to also see there's an angel involved. And that's one of the things the Lord said to me, go tell my church they do not believe in the ministry of angels, but the ministry of angels is a reality. You cannot minister, you cannot cannot worship an angel, you cannot be led by an angel, you cannot call the angel, you cannot send the angel, the angel belongs to God. It's not your angels, it's his angels but he can't send them. Last year, the Lord saved my life, and I believe an angel came and stood right next to me. I was in Ohio in a snowstorm. It became massive ice. I slid off the road. I was almost hit by an 18-wheeler. I slid off the road, and within a record time, my car came to a standstill. I got out of the car and nearly slid on the ice. I was this far from a ditch on the right hand side. I was missed by an 18-wheeler trucker by this much, and when my car came to a standstill. I could not see. My my wipers didn't work. Uh, The whole car was iced in. I discovered and I said, Lord, what happened here? This is phenomenal. I'm alive. And the Lord said to me, an angel can stop a car in 50 yards on slipping ice where no man can drive a car on ice. Why? Because I believe I have a mandate upon my life. And if I have a mandate of God upon my life, God, then I, then I qualify for the ministry of angels, part of the power package to take care of me. Come on, church. And if you have a man, this church, this church has a mandate upon her. And tonight, you must come tonight. I'm going to show you tonight how crucial it is to connect yourself to the right church and the right leadership. Because your life can be safe or be endangered by not doing it. I'm going to show you tonight how, holy, how authority works and what mandate is all about and what power looks like. Now. Okay, whoo, Jesus, help me. I'm nervous when I look at the watch. Chapter 12, verse 5, watch this. Peter therefore kept in prison, but constant prayer was offered to God. Two things, Peter was in prison, and the Bible says, and the church were praying. Now, I emphasize prayer a lot through the upper rooms. God told me what's going to happen in America, and I'm getting the church ready. And now this thing can go to Washington, and it could go to television. But forget about that. My aim is not even on television. If it doesn't go there, I don't care. All I want is I want the fire back. I want the spirit of prayer back. Now, the Bible says the church was praying. Peter was in prison. Peter was an apostolic leader in the church. He's a very important person on God's agenda. Peter is a man of mandate. He's a man of mandate. And he's in prison. Doesn't care where you are. If you're a person of mandate, it doesn't matter where you, what you go through. God has you covered. The Bible says, And when Herod was about to bring him out that night, Peter was sleeping bound with two chains between two soldiers, and the guards before the door were keeping the prison. So that's a picture of where Peter were. Prison, there was guards outside the prison. There was guards inside the prison. He was in chains. That's also a prophetic picture of the church today. They try to put the church in prison. In America, they make one law on top of another law, and you cannot say this, and you will do this and you will do this and you cannot do this and you will. I will not even go into the detail. I can give you things that happened just the last week. Yeah, in America, they try to put the church in prison. So Peter is in prison, but everybody say, "But, the church were praying. Come on. The Bible says the church was praying. Now, because the church was praying and Peter was in prison, watch what happened in verse 7. Now, behold, an angel. Come on. You see, church, if we become church again, if we become a praying church again, we will activate even the ministry of angels in places where we are not even there. By, I mean, we are not. Peter was there. The Bible says an angel of the Lord stood by him. It does not say the angel tried to get in and and, and took him about 24 hours to break into the prison. In the supernatural, there's no effort. The Bible says the angel just stood there. You see, when we have an invasion of the supernatural in our lives, a lot of things will become easy. That's why Jesus said, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. Sometimes when I look at the intercessors, I get afraid of them because they are always angry. And they always make it look like it's so difficult. And then then I read the Bible and Jesus said, no, 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 my yoke is easy. So the Bible says an angel stood by him and a light shone in the prison. Watch this. There's the light again. You see, church, you cannot have the power of the book of Acts without having suddenlies and light and invasion of God's glory. It's impossible. The, the power package is more than just chapter 2. The Bible says, And a light shone into the prison, and he struck Peter on the side, and he raised him up, and he said to him, Arise quickly. And his chains fell off his hands. The chains just fell off. Why? Wow. The chains fell off here because over there a church is praying. And uh, the Bible says, and the angel said to him, gird yourself and tie on your sandals. And so he did, and he said to him, put on your garment and follow me. Now, what I love about the angel here is this. The angel said, pick up your garment, and he said to him, grab your sandals. Everybody say sandals. Sandals. I mean, the angel said, the angel, God sent an angel From the heavenly realm to get a man of mandate out of the prison, and the angel is so detailed that he even said to him, Grab your sandals, pick up your garment. God cares for my sandals. Shoes. Not those kind of shoes, it's ugly. Decent shoes. I need to do something to get the church alive, man. Watch this, church. An angel sent by God coming to the natural and he's immediately, watch the power of God. The power of God will even protect your stuff. Isn't that powerful? Peter could have left the prison without sandals. The sandals has no eternal value. But you know what I've learned about God? When he get me out of the prison, he will not allow me to leave one piece of evidence behind so that anybody can ever come and tell me, oh, once upon a time, you had a prison record. Then I said, no, 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 sir. You have no evidence that I've ever been in that prison. Oh, yeah, we've got evidence. Okay, show me your evidence. Well, what happened with your sandals? No, sir. (laughs) God took care of my sandals. You've got no evidence that I've been there. When God sets you free, he sets you free. When God cleanses you through his blood, he cleanses you. Nobody can come with an accusation. That's power. Power will get me out. And you will never be able to say that I've been there. And um, so the angel, so so he went out and he followed him and he did not know that what was done by the angel was real but thought that he was seeing a vision. In verse 9, Peter is still not with himself. Now watch here. Verse 10 says, And when they were past the first and the second guard post. Watch this. When they... Who are they? Peter and the angel. It's not Peter and the Holy Ghost. Wake up. It's not Peter and the Holy Spirit. You see, church, the modern-day church is poor because we do not live the book of Acts. And when the book of Acts, and Jesus said to me, tell my church, if they're going to open themselves up for the upper room, they're going to open themselves up for the book of Acts. If they open themselves up for the book of Acts, they'll open themselves up for the ministry of angels. they open themselves up for light and for suddenlies to come back. I wish I can tell you, a few weeks ago, I had an administrator, a national administrator, that is busy uh, uh, bringing together, they plan to bring together 200,000 people in America. This week, some political parties even approached this group to give them exposure on their political uh, on the platform, and I don't, don't want to go into the detail, and uh, they said, no, sir, we cannot give you exposure, and they said, but we will pay the whole bill of $1.5 million if you allow us, and they said, no, we cannot do that, sir. This is not a political event. This is a Jesus event, but you know what? The coordinator of this whole thing walked into the upper room because he wants to find an administrator for that event, and the Holy Ghost zapped him. He wept for two days, and he could not, find any invited me into their meetings now to come and tell them what the upper room was all about so that we can take it to Washington, D.C., hallelujah, because we don't need politicians there. We need the Holy Ghost. when that man came into the upper room, he says, I am so-and-so, and I have come to the state to find an administrator, but the Holy Ghost gave me a Holy Ghost smack, and I don't know what's going on with me, and I want to say to you, you have a foreign accent, but we need the fire that you have. I said, I'm ready, sir. How did I get onto that? Okay, I still have some preaching to do here, man. So when they were past the first and the second guard post, they came to the iron gate. Now, I don't want to preach about gates because we will never go home. But Peter and the angel is now out of the prison now. They walk and watch this. And they came to the iron gate that leads to the city. Oh, there's a lot of gates. There's political gates. There's financial gates. There's humanistic gates. There is, oh, there's a lot of gates, and every gate has a key, and every key fits into a lock because you will never have a gate without a lock and without a, come on, gates is built to keep certain people out and keep certain people in, and there's a lot of gates in America. There's gates that you and I don't even know exist unless the Lord shows us prophetically. You We have no idea what's going on. I'm telling you. But the Bible says they came to the gate that leads to the city. They came to the gate that leads to the city. There's a lot of cities in America that's still locked up. But the Lord says, I can send angels that will lead my people to the gates of the city. And the Bible says when they came to the gate, the gate opened by its own accord. (laughs) When you have an angel next to you, you don't need keys. Isn't that powerful? The Bible says, church, this is the book of Acts. If this is not relevant, tear it out of your Bible. Why do you keep that page in your Bible if you don't believe it? There's a lot of Christians that's going to tear a lot of pages out of their Bible because they don't believe it, but they want to play a holy, holy, and they say, oh, I will never tear a page out of the Bible. I'm not disrespectful. You are because you don't believe it. The page in your Bible has become an ornament. It's like a monument, but you don't. I mean, you don't believe that page. Why do you keep it? Wow, I'm preaching. The gate opened to them by its own accord, and they went out, and they went down one street, and immediately the angel departed from him. You see, angels normally work in tight situations. When you have a mandate upon your life and you're on your way to the airport and they slide your car off the road, you cannot drive on ice, the Lord says, Shh. grabbed my steering wheel, brought my car to a standstill. I was shaken. I said, God, what happened? The Lord said, I need you. I cannot allow you to die. You're a man of mandate. Oh, you must come tonight. It's gonna to be very powerful. And the Lord said, I have special forces. It's called your, your guardian angel that has just took control of the steering wheel, brought me to a standstill, and I made my plane that morning. I don't know how, but I know how, but I don't know how. And the more I think, I don't know how. And then I said, well, where am I? Oh, I'm on a plane. Oh, I'm on a plane. Oh, yeah, I'm on a plane. How did I get on the plane? I don't know. Oh, Lord, oh, Lord, how did I get here, God? Well, I'm on a plane now, God. I was supposed to be dead two hours ago. But, God, I'm on a plane. (laughs) Am I here? Yeah, I'm here. I'm on a plane. You say, well, why do you do that? I'm a fool. No, I'm not a fool. I'll show you. I'm just biblical. Watch, Watch what happened here. Verse 11. And when Peter had come to himself, How do you do that, Shane? How do you come to yourself? It's very simple. You must first leave yourself. (laughs) You say, well, how do you leave yourself? You must get an experience with God. Watch this. And Peter had come to himself, and he says, Now I know for certain that the Lord has sent his angel. Watch what Peter said. Peter is a great leader in the church he says the lord has sent his angel he does not say the lord has sent the holy ghost he says the lord you see angels is part of the power package when you're in a tight situation that's what angels does peter said now i know the lord has sent his angel and has delivered me from the hand of Herod and from all the people and the expectation of the Jewish people. So church, there comes times that you lose control. That's why when I came to myself in that storm, I realized there's no way in your human thinking that you can bring a vehicle to a standstill from that point to that point on ice. At 60 miles an hour, even at 40 miles an hour, you cannot do it. There's no way I can measure that well not to go over the edge when I had that much left. But you know what? When you are a man and a woman of mandate and a church of mandate, God says, I will get you out where no man can get you out because I need you alive tomorrow. Because I have a mission for you. Okay. Can I do a little bit more? And the Bible says, and he, and he, he, he sent the angel, and he, he has delivered me from Herod and from all the people. So when he had considered this, he came to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose surname was Mark, where many were gathered praying. So Peter is now out of the prison, and now he's on his way back to the house where the church is still praying. Come on. When you pray, expect some visitors. Expect some visitors that could not visit you because they were in prison, but because you pray, you're going to get some visitations. How many of you are ready for divine visitors? There's, any, there's one. There's two. There's Thank you. That's all. Thank you. That's a lot. <laughs> and uh, as Peter knocked at the door of the gate, the girl named Rhoda came to answer, And when she recognized Peter's voice, because of her gladness, she did not open the gate. What is the purpose of getting out of the prison and they don't want to open the gate? Now, watch this. Church is praying. She came to the door, and the Bible says, who's there? Peter says, it's me, Peter, I'm back. The Bible says she got so excited. Not, she did not weep. She got excited. She did not open the gate. You must be super excited to forget why you went to the gate. Because when you go to a gate, the the reason you go to the gate is to open the gate. That's what you do at a gate. You open the gate. But she got so excited that she did not open the gate. What did she do? She went back to the church. Now, watch what happened. But she recognized Peter's voice, and because of her gladness, she did not open the gate, but she ran in and announced that Peter stood at the gate. So now she said to the church, Hey, whoa, stop praying, guys. Stop. Whoa, 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 whoa. Peter is at the gate. What did they pray? They said, oh, Lord, bring Peter out of the gate. Oh, Lord, bring bring him out of the prison. Hallelujah, bring him out of the prison, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Oh, God, oh, God, I pray. Oh, Jesus, I feel this movement, Lord. I pray that you will bring him out of the prison. And the woman said, hey, guys, Peter is at the gate. Oh, Lord, what did you say? Peter is at the gate. You are beside yourself, Lord Jesus. I pray that you will bring Peter out of the gate. Or bring him out of the prison, Lord. Oh, God, you are beside yourself, man. Don't come and tell me Peter is at the gate. That's impossible. Oh, God, I pray that you will bring him out of the prison. Bring him out of the prison. Oh, don't you come and tell me he's at, uh, it's impossible. But, Lord, I pray. Thank you, Jesus. Everything is possible. Everything is possible. You just bring him. You are beside yourself. <laughs> pray. Why do you pray if you say, you see, we pray, but we don't expect. We pray, but we don't think it will ever, it'll ever happen. Why do you pray? You see, that's modern day praying. It's to impress people. No, I don't pray to impress people. I pray to get some people out of prison. I, oh, man. what's this so so they but they said to her, "You are beside yourself, and she kept insisting that it was so, so they said her, they said to her, "It is his angel. Now watch this this is this is, this is very powerful. when she insisted that Peter was at the gate because the church could not make peace with the fact that it could be Peter, they said then it must be his angel. That's a powerful statement. That tells me that the church those days was so aware of angelic visitations that when they could not explain it, because Peter was really at the gate, but they still believed, no, 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 then they said, well, then it could be an angel. You see, in our modern day, our mind does not even go there. When somebody comes with a strange announcement and says, This and this just happened, we say, It must have been an angelic, uh, it, you, you, must, you, you probably ate too much meat. <laughs> I mean, brother, I mean, really, you, you need to watch your diet, man, because the things you say is so weird, it must have something to do with your diet. No, sir. If you believe in God and if you believe in what power looks like, you're going to see these things happen. But you see, they were, church, I come out of the Apostolic Faith Mission. The Apostolic Faith Mission came out of the Azusa Street Revival, out of John G. Lake. I just had a phenomenal prophetic word given to me two months ago about uh, William Seymour. It's phenomenal, the word that God gave me. It just rocked my foundations. And all I want to say to you as church, we need to prepare ourselves for the full power package. Let me just do one more chapter uh, let's go to chapter 16, and I think I will end with chapter 16. Um, we, we're talking about, Jesus said, you shall receive power. We're talking about what power looks like. Power, uh, power has different faces. We now saw chapter 12, how how the power of prayer c- c- can even include the ministry of angels, and, 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 and how powerful that is. And, and I, w- I don't want to tell you about what I've seen in Africa and how these things work. Because when there's places of great danger, it's normally places of great danger and great difficulty, that's where angelic ministry, angelic ministry starts to operate. Uh, uh, and, and I want to say to you that if you ever get into a tight situation, prepare yourself f- for God to intervene in a divine way that will be beyond your explanation. But one more example. You know the, 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 the chapter, chapter 16, where Paul and, and Silas were in prison. The Bible says in verse 25, and I will make it real brief. The Bible says, but at midnight, Paul and Silas were having a pity party. No, they're in prison. Now watch what's going to happen. They were praying and they were singing hymns to God and the prisoners were listening to them suddenly. There's another one of them. What is suddenly? Suddenly, is the reason God has suddenly is, is so that you and I cannot plan for it. Because if we have the right to plan for it suddenly, we will change what it looked like. God says, "I'm going to do certain things so suddenly. I will not allow you to have a board meeting over it before you can approve it. Already happened. (laughs) Yeah, that's suddenly. I like it." There's a lot of suddenlies that's coming to America when, when, when God, I'm telling you, and God is going to mesmerize a lot of churches and all their agendas. They are so perfect in how they do things. God says, when I come back with my suddenlies, I will not ask you my approval or your approval. It's not your church. It's my church. Come on. Now, watch this. The Bible says they were praying and they were singing hymns and suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were opened and everybody's chains were loosed. No effort. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. But what I want to show you is this. The Bible says there was an earthquake. And it shook the foundations of the prison. It does not say there was an earthquake and it shook the whole nation. It does not shook the whole state. The Bible record, it just shook the foundation of the very prison where Paul was sitting. Power can rock the foundations of institutions, companies, Working places. If God knows you sit in Jones Street 44, he's not going to send an earthquake to Jones Street uh, uh, 40. He's going to send it to Jones Street 42 where you are in bondage and where people have put you under restrictions. Power can shake the very place where you operate every day just because God loves you and just because you are in line and just because you are a modern-day Apostle Paul, God says, I know where they have put you in prison. I know where the locks is on you, and I will shake the very place where they... Come on. God is going to shake institutions, man-made ideas... It's not going to happen here. But the moment there's an apostolic leader sitting over here or there's something that God wants to do over here and they make a law, God says, I will shake things up because my power, know where my men are and where my women are and where my people are. I will send power in the form of an earthquake, but I will get my people out and delivered and free. How many of you believe that God can send a power into your life that will work specifically where you will spend your Monday coming tomorrow? God knows you have an appointment Thursday with a stronghold situation and you need to negotiate something. How many of you believe God can send power to rock the very office where you will sit and rock the foundations of the man that you will look into his eyes and he will change his whole demeanor and he will change his whole thought process just because you and when you walk out of there you will say I don't know what happened this man was just not the way he was normally normally he's a a manipulator he's a control freak but I don't know what went on with him no 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 God says I will rock the foundation of the very office where you will Thursday morning because I know who you are. I know that what they want to do to you, but I will not allow them to put you in a prison because you are my child. Isn't that powerful? When Jesus said you shall receive power, you already saw Paul in chapter 16, how Paul is praising the Lord. Now watch this. Paul is in prison. But Paul is communicating with heaven. Paul is not changing his lifestyle because of his circumstances. He didn't change his song because of his circumstances. He was still in a praise mode or in a praise mood. And he he stayed what he was. And God says, I need to get him out. And this time... I will shake the foundation of that very building. And when he shook the foundation, you will also read it. You can read it for yourself. Paul did not even run away. Paul is so in control that he said to the guards, don't harm yourself, I'm still here. (laughs) You see, when you are in control in the spirit, even when the foundation are rocked, you know what it's all about. Paul knew immediately this is God working on his behalf. Come on. When things start to fall apart around you, don't you panic. It's not for you to panic. It's for those who does not know the Lord to panic so that when they panic and they see that you don't panic, they will come to you and they will say, what shall we do to be saved? And you will say, oh. When I testified to you, you never listened to me. But now God had to rock your foundation. Oh, this is what you do. Say after me, I confess my sins and I accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior. And you will lead them to the Lord. Why? Because power can rock any foundation for your benefit and for your safety. Church, when you have a revelation of the different faces of what power looks like, You are not led by circumstances. That's why when Peter showed up, Peter said, silver and gold I do not have. But before I'm going to go into the prayer meeting, I'm going to resurrect you because you're not supposed to sit at the gate. The power that I just got in the upper room, not boardroom, is a power that just convinced me that you should join us in worship today. So rise up and walk. No longer do you sit at the gate. You join us in worship from now on. Because, come on, church, let the power of Pentecost restore every aspect of your life. And let God rock foundations and come back tonight. It's going to get gooder. And gooder, and that is the right way of saying it. Turn to somebody and say, "This power of the Holy Ghost. everybody must say it to somebody, say, "This power of the Holy Ghost is going to get gooder and gooder and gooder." This is Arkansas, English. Amen. Give the Lord a good hand, please. <laughs> Church. I'll keep it brief. This year, I have seen the power of God. I tell you what, when I was in the up room now in Charleston, West Virginia. Friday night, I said to all the leaders there, I said, it's about time that we tell the church tonight what happened this morning at the round table. And I gave different leaders an opportunity to articulate. Wow. God rocked some of those leaders' foundations. And it was on live stream. And some of the pastors said to me, we watched the live stream. He said, you guys had a powerful visitation. I said, yes. It's amazing what sitting people will do when they come into the presence of Almighty God. They lose their composure. I had an Assemblies God pastor from a pretty large church came to an upper room, and he sat at the back. And when I, we went deep into the worship an hour and a half later, and when I looked back, I saw him. I said, God, that's not what he normally does. I've never seen that man that way. But when God's power come into a place, everything becomes unglued. Come on. Everything starts to shake. And and, and people turn around and people are healed to the point that you cannot even keep record of it. Wow. I love it when a woman writes to me and she says, What have you done to my husband? said to her I've never prayed for him I never prophesied to him I never laid my hands on him I hardly spoke to him at the upper room because there were too many people she said he came back I've never seen my husband like that ever in my life and the guys on the older side he's old what is it? It's power that can change us everything. Father, I bless this church. And I thank you, Lord, that we will see this power not in church.